So we are, uh, we are kicking off our series tonight called Stressed Out. And as I was thinking and working with our Sunday night service team and we were praying over um, what, what we would go through and which topics and which scripture passages we would work through together as a Sunday night service this spring, this issue has been on my heart a lot recently. This issue has been on my heart and my life a lot because I think as, as I look around and I see not only my own life, but I see so many other people's lives seemingly to be consumed at times with worry, with fear, with anxiety, things that the Bible talks so much about. I just thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we could just for a season, for a few weeks, just really focus in on what God's word has to say towards us. If you were to, to look at most any scientific polling data or studies that are out there, the United States is one of the most stressed countries in the world. The U.S. is one of the most stressed countries in the world. 55% of Americans say they are stressed daily. The top country is Greece at 59 and we are rapidly approaching it. By the way, Americans are 20% higher than the world average. Think about that. In this land that we live in, when most of us have a standard of living so much higher than so many other parts of the world, our stress affects us so much. Some other stats on stress and anxiety and busyness this week as I was reading is that 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work-related stress. To which I say, who are that 17% who aren't stressed about work? Like, I would like to meet those people. 63% are ready to quit their job due to stress. 63% of U.S. workers. Those who are the most stressed by pulling data are those who are ages 30 to 49. This isn't just a young person's problem. This isn't a later in life problem. This is a problem that consumes and it takes the place of a lot of us. Stress causes sleep deprivation for at least 66% of people. Two out of three of us can recall an instance in our life fairly recently probably where we lost a significant amount of sleep due to the stress in our life. And tonight as we kick off this series called Stressed Out, we're going to begin by thinking of the idea of busyness. The busy lives that we lead. And doesn't it seem like sometimes busyness is just consuming in our world? What's interesting to me is as you think about busyness, busyness isn't just something that people in a certain stage of life has. But you can experience and feel like your schedule is full, like you're overwhelmed with busyness no matter how old you are. It's just all a matter of your own perspective and how your schedule affects you. I was thinking back this week, I remember a time many years ago. Uh, if you don't know, one of my other roles here at the church, which I get to do, is I get to lead our junior high and our high school students. And I love working with teenagers. But there's one thing about every teenager as I've worked with them that's just true. It's just developmental. It was true of all of us, is that it's hard for them to realize sometimes that the world like is bigger than themselves. They have a very self-centered worldview. They haven't gotten out and experienced other things. And I remember one time years ago, I was talking to a girl uh, who was, I think, a junior or senior in high school. And I was simply asking her if she was coming to one of our upcoming events that we were having. And she looked at me and she goes, 
I know this is hard for you to understand, but you don't get how busy my life is. <laughs> and I was like, okay, do you want to compare schedules? Because I'm pretty sure I could understand. At the time, I was working full-time, in school full-time, and a few months away from getting married. I'm like, I think I understand what a full schedule looks like. But to her, her life did seem overwhelmingly busy. And being busy is not a matter of us getting up here and comparing how many hours we weeked, how many sleepless nights we had. Busyness is something that's true for the normal American, for most of us in the world we live in. And I just want you to know, as someone preaching up here tonight, please don't look to me as the expert. Like, I have it all figured out. I am not the scheduling expert. My life this past week was too busy. I had too many things to do. It was one of those weeks where I sat down. I preached a separate sermon in our morning service today. I preached this. We kicked off youth group this week. I sit down Monday morning. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a really big week. I know that. I open my email. The first email in there was a reminder. Hey, just a reminder, you're speaking at chapel at our school this Friday morning. And I was like, of course I am. Of course I said yes to that months ago before I realized all the other things that filled up. So I by no means am an expert, but it's, this is a thing that I am working through and walking through. And I want us to, to think together on what the Bible talks about, the busyness that we have in our lives this week. Well, one, one question actually tonight, just be three kind of broad questions for us as we think of an outline for tonight. We're going to be looking at many different sections of Scripture. But the first question that I just want us to think together and you to think about your own life this week is just this question, why am I so busy? Why am I so busy? For some of you, it's just a stage of life. You can't help it, right? If you have younger kids, your life is going to be extremely busy with a lot of sleepless nights. The solution is not to give someone else your kid so you can get some rest at night. That's not the solution. But for a lot of us, even as Rachel was mentioning, there's this temptation in our culture today to wear busyness as a badge of honor. That busyness is something that we are proud of. If you ask someone, as Rachel said at work, I've seen this all the time, even here at church and with other friends, say, hey, how are you doing? I'm busy. And I just want to be like, well, so is everyone else. That's not what I asked if you have a lot going on in your life. But we confuse busyness with other things. And I think some of that reason is perhaps we've bought into this lie in our lives that busyness equals significance. Sometimes we've bought into the lie that busyness in my life means that my life is significant. And we can get this feeling that, well, if I'm doing a lot... If I'm busy a lot with a lot of different things, then my life must have some great value and must be counting for something. It must have some great significance and meaning. There was a guy in the Bible who sought after life to discover the meaning of life. And he pursued various things and he recorded the things that he observed in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the writer says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He says this, verse 13. And I applied my heart to seek out and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity 
and a striving after the wind. He looked at what mankind was living its life for. And one of the keys to interpreting the book of Ecclesiastes is that phrase, under the sun. The life that we're given here apart from God, just this physical experience that we live. And he said, man, if this is all there is, it doesn't seem to be cracked up to all that amount. And so he went out to discover all these different ways to see if it could bring meaning and value and significance to life. And one of the ways that he discovered was he was going to work hard. The biblical word for this would he would be he was going to toil He was going to apply himself to the things of this world and see if that brought significance into his life. But he says this in verse chapter 2, verse 18 of Ecclesiastes. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be a master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up in despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with winsome and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is a great vanity, excuse me, a vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil, all the striving, all the busyness, all the work, all the fulfilling schedules, all the all-consuming time spent? What has a man to show from all the toil and striving of heart from which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity." He reflected on just the busyness of life and how futile it all seemed when that was the purpose with which he sought after. The Message Bible, I love this, says this passage this way. The writer says, That's when I called it quits, gave up on anything that could be hoped for on this earth. What's the point of working your fingers to the bone if if you hand over what you worked for for someone who never lifted a finger for it? It's a bad business from start to finish. What do you get from a life of hard labor? Pain and grief from dawn to dusk. Never a decent night's rest. Nothing but smoke. See, busyness for the sake of being busy, striving, thinking that will give us meaning, ultimately leads us to nowhere. We may seem like we're working hard. It's deceptive because we're applying so much effort. We may seem like we're trying to go somewhere, but it's as if we're walking in place. Several years ago, I remember I was out at Woodfield Mall and I was going up the escalator and I glanced over at the person next to me on the escalator and they were walking, but they were walking on the escalator that was going down and they were trying to walk up. And I remember this awkward moment as they're walking, they look over and I'm just standing there going up, just kind of staring at them like, what the world is that person doing? And they were kind of in a zone and didn't even realize that even though they were moving, they were staying in the exact same place. That's what filling your life with busyness to bring it meaning is like. You'll just be walking and you'll be moving, but you're not actually going anywhere. See, perhaps the question we should be thinking to ourselves about busyness isn't just if we're busy or not, but is our life filled with significance? Is life filled, is my life filled with significance? Because so much of the busyness in our lives, if we're honest about it, is filled 
because we filled our lives with insignificant things. Our schedules and our lives seem so full, not because of significant, but because of insignificant things. The average person in this country, this statistic's been the same for a long time, watches four hours of television a day. Four hours of television a day. They did the math. If you are 65 years old and the average American, you've spent nine years of your life watching television. Now, perhaps when the Bears play, you could call that that's a significant thing. But most of the time that our schedules are filled with that, it's just insignificant things adding to our lives. And in many homes and places, it's just a constant noise. There's never a time when the TV isn't on in the background. And home is just always filled with noise and there's never any quiet. In our time and in our age, social media the last decade has risen to the points where it's hard for us to be alone without trying to be somewhere else. The average person, this is not the average 15 or 25 year old, the average U.S. adult uses social media for two hours and 22 minutes a day. Two hours and 22 minutes a day. It is designed for you to become addicted to it. That notification that pops up on your phone releases dopamine into your brain and says, I want more. I need to keep looking at it. And it pulls us away from the significant relationships of life. The average person in America touches their cell phone, just touches it, 2,617 times a day. All right, the, the compulsive user, the extreme user, touches it over 5,000 times a day. The average iPhone user, according to Apple, unlocks their phone 80 times a day, which doesn't seem that bad compared to 2,000, but you still think about it, that's once at less than every 10 waking minutes of your day. See, our lives oftentimes seem very busy and full. But I just want us to think together tonight, are our lives seeming so busy and full because we filled our lives with insignificant things? And isn't it heartbreaking, but it's also true, and I know it's been this case for me, so I'm no, by no means calling anyone out but myself here. When you've been on your phone, distracted from the significant person sitting right across from you. Right, that we have become so distracted that we think our lives are filled with busy and good things, but oftentimes it's filled with distracting things from us. So for some of us, busyness is not an option. It's just how our life is because of where God's placed us. But I think for all of us, there's things in our lives that are filling up our time and our schedules that are just like the author of Ecclesiastes says, it's just chasing after the winds. It's just meaningless in its pursuit. It's not adding significance to our lives. The second question that I want us to think about tonight is this question is, what are my priorities? First, why am I so busy? Secondly, what are my priorities in my life? The best example that I could find of anyone in history and he happens to be recorded in scripture of someone who lived their life according to their priorities was Jesus. Jesus' life was busier than any of our lives. All right? Jesus' life was a lot busier. It's not a sin to have a busy life. 
And I was just struck this week as I was reading through the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Have you ever kind of wondered, what's a snapshot in the day of Jesus? What what was Jesus doing? What did his life look like? Well, the day starts out in Mark. He goes along the Sea of Galilee. He's on the north side. He finds some people and invites them to be followers of Jesus. They follow him. Then verse 21 says this, They went into Capernaum and immediately... On the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So he goes in and he starts teaching immediately. Verse 23, And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And this unclean spirit cries out, Jesus casts this demon out of him. The crowd stand back in amazement and looking at what Jesus has done. Verse 29, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John, probably thinking, all right, finally, time to relax. That casting out demon business and preaching sermons, it's probably pretty exhausting. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Okay, so now they get a nice quiet dinner at home after a full day's work. Verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or or oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. As he's pressed in all night, you can just see this is a consuming day. His life is so filled. But the next verse is shocking. Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. See, Jesus had his priorities. Time with God was a priority for Jesus. He didn't live life by himself. He lived life relying on the Father. And that was a priority. No matter how full his day before was or his next day would be, he made priority for these things. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus was more popular and busier than you'll ever be. This will never be true of you. No one will ever knock at your door and be like, the whole town wants to know what you think. But that was Jesus' life. Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. Come, come here, come do more miracles. Cast out more demons. Verse 38, and he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. They may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. See, Jesus knew his priorities. First, they were to spend time with God. And and secondly, they were to fulfill the mission of his father, which he knew was beyond just Capernaum. So he says, I'm not going to stay here. Even though the demand, the busyness is here, I'm going to move on. See, Jesus knew what his purpose and his priorities were in his life, and he lived his life revolving around his priorities. It's important for us to know what the important things in our life are so we can make sure that those important things have time to grow and to flourish in our lives. There's a danger if we try and fill our days with doing everything. Jesus got out early and he left. He said no to people. He left. 
There's a danger in trying to fill our days with doing every single thing possible. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that my wife and I do with our finances is we make a budget every month for our finances. It's a good principle to have. And one of the things that we have built into our budget is we have kind of priorities, right? We want to save this certain amount. We want to be able to give this certain amount. And we have priorities built in, and that's why we budget our money. And then there's this thing that also that we have in our budget, which is called we have a little bit of flex spending. Because how God has blessed us, we say, hey, if someone comes into town and we want to take him out for a nice dinner, we want to be able to do that. If someone is having a baby, we want to get him a gift. We want to be able to have that to do it. What's that called? It's that's building margin into your budget. Because you know unexpected things come up every single month. I want us to think about what it would look like if we budgeted our time in the same way. Because if you're like me, oftentimes you budget your day and your week and there's zero margin to it. And I don't know about your life, but I can tell you about my life. I guarantee this next week there will be things that come up that I'm not expecting tonight. That will demand my time and my attention. And if we don't build some margin into our lives, if we're packed full saying yes to just doing everything, we don't prioritize our lives, and eventually we're just going to be drawn thinner and thinner to an unsustainable place. There's a key word in creating margin and having priorities in our life. It's the word no. It's the word no. Pastor Kevin Harney, I haven't read the book yet. I want to pick it up and read it because I need it in my life. He wrote a book this last year that came out that said, no is a beautiful word. That's the title of the book. No is a beautiful word. And I was reading an interview that he gave, and I love this illustration, which to me was so helpful, on how no helps us be good stewards of the time that God has given us. When I was in, uh, when I was in college, I, was, I played varsity volleyball. And after, especially when we were on road trips and we'd have a tournament, the restaurants that my coach always looked to take 15 hungry college athletes to was the Golden Corral. The Golden Corral. I don't even know if they have those in Chicago. I know they, they exist in other places. Have, a Golden Corral, which is an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you've never been to the Golden Corral before, where else do you go where for like $13 you can feed every 20-year-old and go eat as much as you want? And, and Kevin Harney says that time, we can think of time like we think of a buffet. If you've ever been to a buffet, a huge buffet, there's a lot of options. There's meats here. There's all the different kinds of meats. There's the salads. There's the sides. You get the desserts over there. And what he's saying is you have a plate when you're at a buffet. And if you just go through to the first things in line and you just say, yes, this, 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 the first six things in line, your plate will be full. And because you didn't say no to those, you essentially said no to the 100 other things out there. See, when we say yes to things, we're also saying no to something, but we just don't know what it is yet. And God tells us that we can use this discipline of saying no in our lives. Jesus said, no, I'm not just going to stay here because that's not my priority. That's not what God called me to do. I need to go somewhere else. Oh, all the people want me? They don't need me right now. I need to spend time with my Father. Are there things in our lives this week that we can say no to? See, it's actually, there's a strength in realizing that we are finite and we can't do 
everything. Psalm chapter 39 says this. I love, I've, I, I somehow had missed this before. It says this in Psalm chapter 39. Oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. What a prayer. God, let me know how fleeting my life is. How little time I have. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather it. So what are the priorities in your life? Hopefully God's there. Family's there. And what do you need to say no to so that the things that are priorities, you have enough time that you can value how God would have you value them? The third question for us tonight is this question. Has my busyness crowded out God? Has the busyness of my life crowded out God? When Jesus was here, he loved to preach and to teach in what's called parables. Those would be stories that he would tell that would have a significant meaning and would reveal something about the nature of God or the nature of the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus was bringing to this earth. And one of the parables that's recorded multiple times that Jesus says is what's known as the parable of the sower. And he talked about a guy who goes out and he throws seed along the way. And there's four different soils that the, the seed goes into. And Jesus explains what these soils mean. Some seed falls on the path and it means that they've rejected God's word. Some falls on the rocky soil and it's indicating those whose life is, it, it, it takes root, but then there's hardship and it chokes out the plant. The last one was there's the good soil, those who believe and who bear fruit. But the third soil is the thorny soil. And Jesus' explanation of this stuck out to me this week. In Mark, in Mark chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus talking about the thorny soil says this, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The thorns of life, the cares of the world, the deceitful pursuit after riches and the unfulfillment that will bring, the desire for other things enter in and it chokes out the word of God in our lives. I don't know about you, but my backyard for some reason loves weeds. Loves weeds. And they're really sharp, pokey kind too. I don't have to water my weeds and they grow. My lawn doesn't grow, but my weeds always grow. And if I'm not proactive in pulling them out, they start to just take over my yard. It's the same thing with our time. If we're not proactive in how and what we spend our time that God has given us on, it will just start to take over. And the danger is if we live life without being conscious of what we're doing and who we're serving, that the danger is eventually it could choke out the very word of God from our lives as well. When our lives just become so busy that it's about the cares of the world, seeking after riches and desiring after other things. See, when we think about busyness, we need to remember to keep our focus on the most important thing, which is Jesus. 
a story in Luke chapter 10, which has always kind of bugged me, but it's so true. I think it bugs me because it's so convicting for me every single time. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary is there before Jesus, listening to Jesus. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She was distracted with much serving. Is serving a good thing? Yes. But what had serving done in her life? It had distracted her from the Messiah. It distracted her from Jesus. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. See, in our lives, aren't we anxious and troubled with many things? Let's not forget tonight that one thing is necessary. One thing for those of us who are children of God, one thing is necessary, and that's to listen and to seek and to follow after the voice of Jesus in our lives. That our lives can be consumed with busyness and even the good things that would distract us from the greatest thing, which is Jesus Christ. So this week, I want to challenge you. That as you think of the busyness of your life, I'm just making at least one small change to it this week. So that the worries of the world, the concerns of your life, don't start to choke out the word of God there. As we read earlier, Psalm chapter 46 verse 10 says this. It says, To be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And the louder your life is, the more we need the discipline of being quiet before God. The louder your life seems to be, the more we need the discipline in our lives of being quiet before him. So I just want to challenge you this week. Very simple. Take five minutes a day. Not five hours, not 50 minutes. Take five minutes a day where you're intentional, you stop everything, And you just still and remember that God is God and you are not. It doesn't have to be special. You can, if you know of a time that works for you, it might be helpful just to set an alarm on your phone before you go to bed tonight so that your phone will vibrate and remind you tomorrow, five minutes right now, just to stop. It doesn't need to be a a special place for me. How I tried to practice it this last week, the last couple days, Friday. It was in the car. I drove somewhere. I got there about 15 minutes early. Rather than pulling out my phone, continuing to listen to the radio, I just turned everything off for a while. Yesterday, my wife and I were out. She had to run into Walgreens and pick something up. I just, she ran in and I just stayed in the car and just was quiet for about five or six minutes. Today over lunch, I just set everything down after I finished eating by myself and I was just quiet for a few minutes. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter where. But I want us to get in the habit of thinking, where is God in the midst of my busy life? And it's a good discipline, especially as we enter 2020 and the noise of our lives will continue to grow. 
to be disciplined in just for a few moments each and every day, just to stop, to be still, and to remember that he is God. God, we thank you that you are indeed the ruler of the world, the king of kings. And we are amazed of your love towards us. God, we confess that the busyness of our lives, the distractions from even the good things in our lives, has so often caused us to miss the most important thing, which is you. God, would you help us this week to just take each and every day five minutes to be still, to be still, and to remember that you are God. For all this in Jesus' name, amen.